What's up, planters? What's up? I'm Brandon Whitfield. In 2018, I set out on an adventure that would totally change my life forever. I, along with four families and my own, started a brand new church. That's right, from scratch. We had some good times, like the time we received over 300 people at our very first worship service. And we had some bad times, like that time our music equipment wouldn't play right before a worship set. Yeah, that was embarrassing. I did take notes along the way, though, and I'm ready to share it all with you. So if you're a church planter, a potential church planter, or you're interested in planting a church, you've come to the right place for all of your information that you need in order to get a good jump start. So sit back, relax, enjoy. You are listening to Planters. Hey everybody, hi planters. Happy Monday. Um, this is a roller coaster day for church planters. Either you're feeling extremely excited right now or you are a little worried, but that's okay. We all have those Mondays. Today's podcast is going to sound a little differently. I am actually traveling, and so you will hear um, some noise around um, the vehicle, and I apologize about that in advance. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers, though, for my safe travels. I have been doing an amazing um, work when it comes to church planting. I am just getting out of the Bronx where I taught on church planting and church culture. And of course, I took some notes and I wanted to share them with you all on today. So thank you for listening. Sit back and relax and enjoy. You're listening to Planters. Every church has a culture. Yours does, mine does, the church down the street does, the Baptist church does, the Amy Zion church does. All churches have culture. If the culture is healthy, amazing things happen. People love being there. People grow. Great leaders come and stay. Your church becomes attractive to the community and more fully accomplishes its mission, whatever mission that may be. But sadly, for many churches, the culture isn't healthy at all. Culture is invisible, but determinative. You can't see it, but it defines so much. A bad culture will consistently undermine an amazing mission, vision, or strategy. It doesn't really matter how amazing or anointed the church vision or mission is. I mean, it can be a powerful, powerful mission. But if your culture is unhealthy in your church, It will constantly undermine the mission of the church. It literally chokes it. As Peter Drucker quotes, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Think about it. Culture is the reason you love shopping at some stores and despise shopping at others. It's why you leave Uh, some airlines and join others. It's why some families always have fun when they get together and others can't stand to be in the same room. So the question becomes, how do you create an amazing culture? I've worked hard at creating a better culture over the months 
and the year and a half that our ministry has been planted in the city of Danbury, Connecticut. It hasn't always been easy. We have our ups and we have our downs. And certainly you will see that when you start working on your culture. The thing is, if you ignore the culture, if you don't intentionally try to create a healthy culture, the culture will breed itself. And that's the worst thing that you can allow to happen. You have to control the aspects of the culture. It needs to cultivate the mission that the Lord has given you. Otherwise, just like Peter said, culture will eat your mission for breakfast. So as I've gotten healthier personally, our church has gotten healthier. Two years ago, we finally wrote down six central cultural values at the River Church, where I serve as the lead pastor. It took us some time to define these core values. Um, What I have found is that the core values, although they don't really change from the um, beginning of your ministry, they will evolve. They will evolve as you become more clear as to what your purpose is in the city. And I don't care what anyone tells you, you may have a glimpse of what your purpose is and what your job is and what your duty is and what your mission is in the city that you're in when you first start the ministry. But you have no idea how it's going to grow and how it is going to evolve. So allow your ministry culture, uh, uh, allow your values to grow as the ministry grows, allow them to expand. Um, I'm not telling you to, um, you know, start a church and five years down the line, you're going to have a completely different church, but your church will evolve and You got to allow it to do that because the city is going to call on different resources from your church. As the city goes through its challenges, there will be parts of your ministry um, that will evolve, that will bloom like flowers that weren't there when you first initially started the ministry, because perhaps those issues weren't um, so obvious in your city. And now they are. So what we started doing at the river was we started intentionally trying to build the culture and we intentionally allowed our core values to evolve over time. So although the resources wasn't around us like they are now, when we first started, there are a lot of different um, resources that we are seeing now that were very helpful. Uh, Number one, uh, there's a book called The Advantage. You got to get it. Also, Craig Rochelle has a fantastic new leadership podcast on his most recent episode. Um, It's on creating value driven culture. It is absolutely amazing and it is a must listen. So capturing your organization's culture is helpful because it allows you to reproduce it and export it as you grow. If your culture is healthy, it will become one of your greatest assets. If you want an easy way to remember what your core values are, I would suggest writing them down and passing them out to your launch team, passing them out to your core team if you've already launched and encouraging them to recite them, to know them by heart, because if they know them by heart, when certain things come up within the ministry that try to birth themselves, if they don't align with the vision, your core team knows I don't even have to go bother the lead pastor about this. This isn't something that we would be able to do or support here. 
So I'm going to try to give you at least five points or five focuses that you can really um, tie into or focus on uh, when it comes to creating a healthy church culture. Number one is identify and eliminate the toxins. Church culture isn't naturally healthy because people aren't naturally healthy and it's people who make up the church culture. As a leader, one of your chief jobs is to figure out why your culture isn't healthy and change that. Look for the toxins that makes your culture unhealthy. Conflict, selfishness, personal agendas. As I'm naming these off, you lead pastors are probably uh, thinking about people who have these issues in your church. Uh, Personal agendas or even toxins like lack of passion for the mission can be a lethal weapon against the church culture. You can't eliminate what you don't identify. So identify the things you want gone from your culture. That's step one. Step number two is model the change you want to see. Here's a sobering reality for all of us who lead. Your church will only be as healthy as you are. Expecting a church to be healthy when its leader isn't is like expecting an athlete to run a marathon with a missing heart. It's not possible. Any conversation about church health starts in the mirror for a leader. It is going to start with you. It has to start with you. The same goes with all the changes you want to see. As a leader, you need to embody the things you want your organization to embody. Want to see a church that invites people on Sundays? Then invite people on Sundays. Want to see a church that gives generously? Then you start giving generously. Want to see a church that is deep in passion for the mission? Then exude that passion. Show it. Let everyone know how excited you are about being at church every single Sunday. Tell them how passionate you are about being in the city. Talk to them about why you get up every morning and you're looking for people to bring in, to be a part of this great vision. Let them feel how passionate you are about what you are doing in the city, wherever you are serving. You see my point? As a leader, culture starts with you. Step three, start with who embodies your values. So how do you find your values? There are a lot of words in the English language. You have to just choose a few of them to define you. Furthermore, how do you avoid meaningless platitudes like value excellence, which sounds great, but practically means nothing. On our first team night, I had a spontaneous thought that ended up moving our team forward immensely. Rather than start with what we valued, we decided to start with who embodied the best of our church. Let me explain. I went to the whiteboard and I asked of all the people who attend our church, who best embodies what we are about and want to be about in the future. Immediately, names started coming up all around us and I wrote them down. Your church has these people, too. They are amazing. They are all you want to see in a church member and more. 
Then I asked the simple question, why? What is it about them that makes the embodiment of our mission, vision, and strategy so spectacular? I'll come back to those answers in just a moment, probably in step four. But before I move on, I also created a second list. Now, buckle up, hold on to your your purses right now, because I know some of you are going to be very nervous about this, but this worked for us. You will have to figure out if it works for you. Next, we made a list of people who honestly didn't embody our mission. Ooh, I know, I, I know, but stick with me. I'm going somewhere. We made a list of people who didn't embody our mission, vision, values, or to put it more positively, who are the people we would need to really encourage along in order to get them in line with our real mission. We actually wrote their names down and then we burned the list. And we asked the same question, why? What is it about them that makes them the opposite of what we want to accomplish here in the city that we are serving in? And I know this is dangerous. Maybe it's even sinful, but it's true. And you know it's true. And it is so clarifying. It was just amazing and liberating for us to be able to call those names out. And we all made a pact that we are going to agree to help them get an, get in alignment with the mission and the vision for the church. Figure out, figuring out who uh, you value and who values your ministry helps you discover what you value. Step four, isolate the unique principles. And this is really a good one, probably one of my favorites. Figuring out why some people embodied our mission, vision, strategy, and why some people didn't was a breakthrough for us. It helped us get to the values that we frankly valued and those we didn't. When I asked our team why the people who was best embodying us were about and why do we want them to be on that list of people who best embodied us and what do we want in the future they were just amazing responses the team started saying things like because they serve so selfishly because it's not about them because they are so generous because they are always considerate of other people. I think of some more things they said. They said because it make they make it happen. That was a good one. Because they're all about our common mission, vision, and strategy. I mean, they were just excellent answers. Those were the first clues as to what our culture values were. We were literally making up the list as we started describing the characteristics of those people who embodied our vision the most. Make it happen actually made it to the list of final values for the year that later on. Uh, we just love people who are willing to do what it takes, no matter what obstacle. And we didn't want to lose that value as we grew. Now, just the same, I want to ask our team why the people who didn't embody our mission, vision and strategies, why did they make it to the list? Our team started saying things like, because it's always about them, because they criticize, but they don't contribute because they don't actually value unchurched people because they want to be served rather than serve. Again, that helped us to understand what our values were. Try it. 
on a sheet of paper, write the names of 10 people who embody what your church is all about and what you want it to be about in the future. And then write down why. Do the same for the people who aren't what your church is all about. And again, write down why. You'll learn a ton about what you value personally as a lead pastor and about what your church values as far as your lead team, core team, uh, perhaps launch team if you haven't launched yet. And then you can take that list and burn it, but save the principles. For a few hours each month, we chiseled away at the principles we unearthed that day until later on that year. After a lot of debate, discussion, and prayer, we had our final six values. Number five, create memorable, exportable languages to define what your culture values are. It's one thing to know what your values are as an organization. It's another to phrase them um, as a way that's memorable and exportable. In our case, we decided to create two word phrases for each value. Like uh, if we if one of our values were we value culture, then we would say something like creative culture. And that made us remember the fact that we valued culture. Really what I'm trying to get you to understand is that whatever your values are within your church, they need to be memorable and exportable, not just by you as the lead pastor, if you're the person that's listening to this podcast, or perhaps your whole entire team is right now. So let me speak to the team team members, every single one of you need to know what the cultural values are, what the central values are for the church. If you don't, then the church that you are building will build itself. And that is not what you want. You know, we know about missions that built themselves. I mean, remember the Tower of Babel? I mean, it was great. They all came together on one accord and they started building and building and building. Eventually it built itself, but the Lord had to bring that to a stop. You've got to have an understanding as to what your central values are. Otherwise, you will have a chaotic culture instead of a creative culture. Wow, that was so good. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I sure did. Be sure to stay up to date with Planters Podcast by subscribing right now. Don't keep all the goodness to yourself. Spread the word with a friend so we can all connect, grow, and go. And remember, if you're interested in one-on-one church plant consulting and coaching, it's available. All you have to do is visit our website at theriverdanbury.org. Click on Planters and submit your request. It's just that easy. Until next time, may your seed find its ground.